This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And welcome back to the First Cut Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. And uh, and Kyle, as uh, as we've got the as we've got Brooks, you and I haven't even got a chance to talk. Maybe, hopefully, you uh, you went back and you looked at and you listened to Mark Immelman and Kyle break down Brooks Kepka's win at uh, WGC in Memphis. And and man, like I was I was really worried about our uh, our our lad Rory McIlroy as he was getting dusted because the, the headline show of Brooks and Rory final group on a Sunday, we hadn't seen it just a, just a couple of big hitters. And then even when they were both, you know, out there, you know, the, like Rory is out driving Brooks by like 30 yards on some holes, but then there was the second shots and, and Rory wasn't, uh, wasn't great there. The putter that had been so hot for him throughout the week, let him down and Brooks just keeps grinding. And we mentioned this a little bit. You said, doesn't Brooks have some grind to him? He shot mm-hmm. a 65, and it felt like a grinding 65. Yeah, it felt like a 71 at a U.S. Open, didn't it? Yes. Yeah. I where, where does the season leave you with Rory? Like, what, like what, what's your – like, how, how has the way you've thought about him – because I, I don't think what we think about Brooks is – has changed. And maybe what we think about Rory hasn't changed, but I'm curious, but I think it's more likely that what you think about Rory has changed this year than with Brooks. And I'm curious at the end of the regular season, just what, what has changed for you the way you think about Rory in the future? So the, um, he's a Ken Palm golfer. His 2019 season was a really good Ken Palm season. Yes. Like, like Villanova and Virginia, like Virginia won the national championship last year. They were one of the better uh, Ken Palm teams all season, but Villanova and Virginia are teams that have come to mind that in college basketball, because of the, um, you know, they are unbelievably efficient teams. And when you break it down just in the numbers and you just look at the analytics, you're like, these teams should be winning the national championship. These teams should be winning all of their games. And that's the way I feel about Rory McIlroy where I'm going to look at it. And he was like the Ken Palm champ, but he doesn't have any major championships. And so in a lot of these small micro moments, you know, you get disappointed, but you know, the, the perception is like, you had a great, you had a great statistical year. And I think that that's where I'm left with them. Ken Palm golfer. Yes. I don't disagree with, with a lot of that stuff. The thing I keep coming back to, Chip, and the thing that I, I'm sort of is sort of like because I, I think I think that there's like a, a case against Rory where you could be like, is it is it is it James Harden? Like is this a James Harden situation where you're like, yeah, unreal in like these quote unquote regular season events, but then 
just kind of ups and downs in the playoffs in a way that you wouldn't expect from somebody like that. And by playoffs, I don't mean, I do mean playoffs in the NBA and in golf. I obviously mean like majors and and bigger stuff, not the playoffs. Yeah. Not, not the FedEx cup playoffs. The, The problem, there's a couple of problems with that. One, he already has four majors and James Harden's never won a title. So that's problematic. And then the second one specifically related to this year. And I feel like we all just act like this didn't happen. And we act like the way it happened was not how it happened. He won the players and he did it with like kind of a, a middle finger to everybody on Sunday when Tommy Fleetwood's coming at him, John Rahm's coming at him, Paul Azinger's telling him to pull three wood on 18. And he says, no, screw you. I'll hit driver. I'll hit it left of the pin coming into 18. And that's how I'm going to win the players championship. It's not... It's not like, I don't know, like it'd be different if he won the Canadian Open and like uh, Phoenix. You're like, okay, well, does he just win these unimportant things? The players is like, I know you like make fun of it or whatever, but it's not insignificant. And that Sunday was not insignificant. There were real stars involved and he just, he just pounded people. Like he just... You know, like he 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 closed out that tournament in a way that I think historic, like you know, in, in a way that like we've always thought about him closing out tournaments. And I just I don't know, I don't know what to do with that because that happened, and I feel like people are acting like it didn't. So, do you think that the reason that people are acting like it didn't is because of its place in the schedule and the the fact that it didn't have that post Masters? pre U S open spotlight. And then, you know, as we've continued to move forward, we just had the WGC. Now we know the, the WGC, uh, is going to end up moving to 4th of July weekend. Like as the schedule has continued to evolve, do you think that that plays into this at all with Rory? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I just, it, it feels like 2019 is a year when we've only like, it just nothing matters, but the majors, and I don't know if that's a schedule thing. I don't know if that is it's probably a lot of it is a schedule thing. Cause I think the actual golfers have sort of said or insinuated at least that nothing matters, but the majors or, or they've at least acknowledged that like, look, based on what the PGA tour is, is doing here, or, or they've, they've, I, I should say this, they've, they've called out and this was a Justin Rose saying Tommy fleet. Well, we, we talked about this last time. They've kind of called out, the PGA tour for trying to manipulate the schedule. And in doing so they've revealed how much the majors mean to them. Now mm-hmm. that's not across the board, but I think it's pretty like, co- it's a pretty common thought among the stars. Uh, I don't remember what point I was trying to make here, but um, what was your, what was your actual question? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the schedule change. Like has, has it, has it affected kind of the, the, the players getting lost. I, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like the players gets a little bit lost every year. And I go back to this with Fowler. It's like, Oh, Fowler can't win a big, like he, he <laughs> Fowler can't close. Fowler can't play on Sundays. He would played the last six holes at, at Sawgrass and five under to win maybe the most dramatic players championship of all time. That was not insignificant. And I get it. Like not a major, whatever. But we just we it's so easy in golf to, I think, pick and choose things to build our arguments and then ignore some of the rest of the stuff instead of taking a more holistic view 
God, that's so buzzwordy. I hate myself <laughs> for saying that. But taking a like a, a, a bigger picture view because it becomes more complicated. Your your argument. I'm not saying you, but but in this case, your argument and and other people's argument against Rory becomes problematic if you have to factor in the players' championship. And so I think that's why we uh, sort of try to like forget about stuff that doesn't help our arguments. Um, Callaway released a statement on Xander Shoffley after the, uh, the driver incident at the open championship. Uh, is this going to be a story that you think continues, um, as, as it, uh, as, as it unfolds, not even just for Xander, but for the rest of golfers? It was pretty interesting, wasn't it? Like, yeah. Especially with the chip brewer. So I can tell that he, like me, probably has like eight suffix suffixes on his name. It's the most golf thing ever. <laughs> it, it was, um, so I read it. There, there was a part in there. I'm going to pull it up. Um, it's kind of turned into like, it, it feels like, and I think this is sort of what everybody is thinking, like the RNA Callaway, other players. Like, why are you talking about this, Sander? Like, wh- like, why are you like making, such a big deal out of this. So, so uh, Chip Brewer, who is Callaway's CEO and president, said, um, oh, "Where was it? There was a really interesting part. If anybody deserves blame or criticism for the driver's test failure at the Open Championship, it's us. We provide Xander his equipment." And the next sentence, but in all fairness, I'm not sure we did anything wrong. And uh, Chip Brewer, it, there was no collusion. This is all a witch hunt. <laughs> It's all a hoax. And it just, it, 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 um, it's a tough deal because they're talking about the, uh, this thing called, uh, CT, which I can't remember what it stands for. It's basically the trampoline effect of the driver face and Xander, like everybody, like, I, I think my takeaway from this is Cal Callaway, like everyone, gets up really close to the edge of these, of these limits. And because equipment can change over time by how much you hit it, by how much you use it, by just wear and tear, like, like this, it's not, it's sort of a moving target and you can say, well, then they should be like way below what the limit is in case it changes to get closer to the limit. Well, okay, but like, where is way below the limit? It's just there's a lot. It, it's it's a difficult thing, and I think that based on this statement and kind of the way this is all played out, I actually feel like Callaway comes off looking not like like good or not bad, and Xander comes off as looking like just like it's almost as if he was like looking for somebody to throw under the bus that wasn't himself. Like he 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 kind of he sort of advocated himself and said, look, like. Equipment's not my deal. I'm not in charge of it. Well, sort of, but you kind of are. And I just, I I feel like the whole thing kind of like the way it played out and, and everything about the way he went about it sort of made him come off looking a little bit immature about the whole thing. And, uh, also in, in a little bit of news, before we get into our stock up, stock down, we've got the PG. You don't do, do you have a take on that? You got nothing? To, to me, the the equipment battles and the equipment um, 
every, every, everyone's going to be going right up to the limit. People are going to get penalized. And the more that you talk about any one of these things, the more headlines are created and the more headlines are created, the dumber you're going to look. You should have never said anything in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Like it's, it is, uh, it, it happens in any, any, um, sport where we've got the, the smallest, you know, justifications and, uh, like to me, even though the, the golf club has so many small modifications, I think about it the way that I think about a stock car in stock car racing and that, you know, there are cars that get eliminated. There are tests that are done. There are tiny things that you can do to tweak and adjust and, and some things that you do, you know, maybe in one team or one NASCAR, one NASCAR team or one NASCAR company might believe that, you know, these are the things that you do to get the optimum performance. And it's right up against, you know, this particular boundary or rule. And another one might choose another. And that's where we have, you know, Callaway, and the other uh, equipment providers probably in the same way with their wedges, with their drivers, you know, they're all trying to tweak and figure out different things. And just like in stock car racing, sometimes you, you go over the limit, your car gets scratched, you got to go choose another one. And that's exactly what happened here. And, you know, I think that while the, the stock car and the golf club exist in very different worlds uh, on many levels, I think that competitively it's not that different and so therefore you should just, uh, keep it moving, realize that, you know, take notes, you know, realize that whatever you did got flagged for one reason or another and keep it moving. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, I, I heard from somebody from Callaway right after this happened and he was kind of like, look, this is not as big of a deal as it sounds like. <laughs> and kind of in my head, I was like, it sounds like a big deal. And then, but then like the more you read into it, the more you're like, yeah, it's, it's really like. It's, I mean, it is a big deal, but it, it, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily a big deal for Callaway or any equipment company. It's more of a big deal, I think, for like, how do you govern this if you're the RNA, if the, if you're the USGA, if you're the PGA Tour? Because when you have a situation in which like the use of equipment can cause that equipment to become illegal, and I presume the same is true in like, you know, car racing or, or, or do you like my whatever. stock, my stock car racing comparison? Yeah. That's not a, that's not a, a pool that I want to wade into. I don't think I've already <laughs> got Memphis Twitter on me. I don't need like stock car racing Twitter on me. Um, it, it, it's, it's sort of incumbent on like, if that's the case, if just like things can naturally evolve to become illegal, then you have to have testing, I think, I guess, I don't know. Like, I just, I, I feel like it's unfair to go to, to, to these equipment companies and say, well, y- you have to be way below the, the limit. Well, what is that? Well, how far below? Like what, what it, the, the, the rule should be like, you test your club before the round, before the tournament, I guess you could do that. Is it illegal or is it not illegal? That's the whole deal. And I mean, you're, you're never in a world of capitalism, not to delve too far into this, you're never going to be able to tell companies like, don't get up next to the limit because for what they thought it, it was legal. And it was whenever they first sent it to Xander for all, for all we know. Um, but because he hit a hundred balls or a thousand balls with this driver, all of a sudden it, it, 
the wear and tear on it makes it illegal. And that's, I, I just, I can't blame an equipment company for that. That's just, I feel like that's just an impossible spot. You ready to talk about some meteorites? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So, so what, as uh, I know meteorites from the world of college football and college athletics, where um, it has become the revenue driver, the way that universities bring in money is by signing their meteorites deals by launching their own networks. So what's, what, what is shaking right now in the golf media rights world? So the whole deal is that the PGA Tour's rights are up in 2021. Right now, those rights are held by CBS, our good friends over at CBS. Our employer. Our, our, our yes, in some umbrella fashion, our employer. Uh, NBC and Golf Channel, which is... I believe a hundred percent owned by NBC. So I think you can, it's fair to say that NBC and CBS currently hold all the rights that includes PGA tour live. That includes weekend coverage. That includes anything that's uh, a PGA tour run event. Like the players championship is obviously their biggest one. The FedEx cup playoffs, all this different stuff doesn't include us open masters, PGA championship and, uh, an open championship. Although NBC also, and CBS owns the masters. NBC gets the open championship. Anyway, the rights for the PGA tour are coming up in two years and they are kind of navigating right now, like new contracts to put into place for two years from now. Now, what they might be doing is getting new contracts in place and then, those two years can kind of be like, like you can negotiate that down to where the new contracts quote unquote would actually start in 2020. Um, but, or in at the beginning of 2021 or whatever, but it's pretty interesting because and, and you hear this all the time. I'm sure you've heard it in college football. Oh, Amazon's in this. Google's right. Right. In this. right. Everybody, like, well, everybody well, get ready. Is- everybody get ready to pay more money because they're going to come and drive the price up. Yeah. Netflix is in this and you're like, well, what, what is it? I, I don't know if I under, understand what that even means. Um, and there, there was a, there was a report on sports business journal by John, uh, Orand just talking about how like the PGA tour, they want to have a new deal in place by the end of 2019, which I think is pretty interesting because it, it is so far out from where the current deal ends. Current deal ends, I believe at the end of 2021. So two full years in advance. And obviously CBS and NBC will be players. Uh, apparently Amazon is an actual player. Uh, I know we're joking about that, but they actually are. And then uh, Warner Media, this is all according to the report by uh, John Arand, uh, Warner Media, which is, I believe, now owned by AT&T, they just bought it a couple years ago, is also a player. So they, so they own like um, uh, True TV. And like the, the channel where you can't find the NCAA tournament games uh, and a couple other channels that they were talking about in this report that they could flip into like a golf only channel. And I just feel like, man, I don't know. Like it feels like there's a lot going on here and maybe it just ends up the same deal, NBC, CBS. But, um, you know, we've talked about in recent years, like the PGA tour having its own network, like the MLB network, having its own channel, like, I don't know. I don't know how this is all going to play out, but my fear for the whole thing is that it gets super fragmented. And so you've got, you've got a channel over here. You've got, you've got a couple majors on, on this linear channel. You've got 
the players over here. You've got the Ryder Cup over here. You've got digital content over here. And it's like, I don't even know where to go to get any of this. And, but at least the PGA Tour is making a ton of money from everybody. I just, that's my fear about how this kind of all plays out. I hope that all of the events are on our lovely, lovely CBS. Do you think if they were, do you think they would let me and you call like the, um, like the RSM in, in like October? I think that we should get, uh, if, if we move forward with on-course commentary, you and I get to be inside the ropes on-course commentary. That'd be sick. We would, we, we, we would be like, hey, uh, hey, I don't, I don't know. I can't even. Th- oh, no, we're just walking. But, we're walking with Webb and Pauly. That's it. All of a sudden, we hi- hijack the coverage and just cover <laughs> Webb and Pauly the whole time. I think we should just, like, you know how... Um, the old uh, mystery science theater deal. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's what it should be. Like we shouldn't even talk. We should just talk like to ourselves. That's what, uh, who was doing that? It was like, uh, it was, they did it for ESPN for a couple of things. Katie Nolan and like, uh, I think Jacoby and Jalen Rose and, and uh, kind of a group of, of, of those guys. Like they would just sit in a room and just like talk during an event. It was during the college football playoff. They did it as yeah. part of the mega cast. That would be so fun. We get Sean Martin, get get Porath in there, yes. get him a couple couple beers, just yes. see what happens. Yes, it's very good content. That'd be sick. Hey, John Arand, let's let's add another bullet point to this report. There's been some loose speculation by people low on the totem pole of the content machine, <laughs> suggesting a mega cast event where you can choose to watch a picture in picture of these guys and the action <laughs> these clowns these jokers <laughs> talking about hideki's strokes gained in japan in like 2010 <laughs> <laughs> uh, coming up on the other side we'll get into stock up stock down and our preview and picks for the Wyndham next robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And now it's time for Stock Up, Stock Down, brought to you by TD Ameritrade. This is a very special FedEx Cup playoff edition of Stock Up, Stock Down. We're going through the Bubble Boys. And uh, do you want to do this kind of kind of rapid fire and just sort, sort of see where we're at with uh, with a handful plus of, uh, of these golfers? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Aaron Wise, pride of the Oregon Ducks. Stock Up, Stock Down. <sighs> Yeah, he's uh, 
he's barely this is crazy because I feel like he like pops up at these big events. Uh but he's barely inside the top one twenty five. Now he does get to keep his card because he won the Byron Nelson uh last year. Was it last year? Yeah, twenty eighteen. But I'll, I'll go stock up. I, I, I'm a believer in Aaron Wise. I, I don't think you win at that age on the PGA Tour without having like what it takes. So I'm I'm stock up on Aaron Wise, even though he's so far down on the on the uh, FedEx Cup points list. Alex Noren has a pretty good world ranking. We did see him in the field in Memphis at the WGC uh, this past weekend, but. A bubble boy here for the FedEx Cup standings for this season. What's your what's your stock reading on Alex Noren? Go pokes. Yeah, he's he's he is the bubble boy. He's one twenty five right now. Uh, I'm going stock up just because of his last two finishes. He before uh, before the Open, his best finish in 2019 was a T. 28 at the RBC hair. No T T 17 at the uh, match play. That was his best finish of the year. So at the open, he goes T 11 played great. And then, uh, St. Jude, he goes T 12 played really well for three days. And then I think he faded on Sunday a little bit. So just based on those last two finishes, uh, he shot a 73 on Sunday based on those last two finishes. I'm stuck up on, on Norin. All right. What about Peter Uline then? Uh, I'm going to go stock down on Peter Elon. He's just, I, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like he, he just hasn't had a very good year and he's somebody. So he, he's got, he's had 22 starts in 2019 worldwide. He's got uh, one top 10 and 10 missed cuts. So he's missed about half the, the cut, the he's missed the cut at about half the tournaments that he's entered. Best finish was a T five at the Byron Nelson. Um, but that's really all he's done. His last six tournaments, he goes T18, T53, DQ at the John Deere, MC, MC, MC. And you're just, I, I don't know. I, I, I thought his trajectory would be, I thought it'd be different than this. So I'm, I'm stuck down on Peter Ewan. Can I throw a working theory at you? Yes, so, I love your Peter Ewan working theory. Uh, it's a Peter Ewan and a class of golfers that... I want to be able to put some some more strict terms on before we're able to really work it out. But basically, the premise is there is a collection of golfers that have been through the you know the amateur to to pro. They made the jump, and and it's all been in this a uh, window of maybe the last five years. And that if not for some like truly, truly elite players talking about maybe your, your Xanders on the older end of this young group. And then now looking at your Matthew Wolf, uh, your Colin Marikawa looking at, um, uh, Victor Hovland, like basically there's a group of golf, a group of young golfers who are going to find it much, much tougher to have, uh, the linear trajectory that they would otherwise have because the young golfers right now, especially a couple pockets of them and especially a couple groups of them are so good. They're essentially getting jumped. Yeah. I just like his talent in college. So he wins the USAM at Chambers Bay. I think that was 2010 and his talent and just everything. About, I love that he went to the European tour, uh, like Kepka. He was sort of the contemporary with Kepka. Like those were the two guys that did it at that time. 
And then he comes over to the, the PGA tour. Like everybody that you talk to just about his talent is just like, dude, this, I mean, come on, like this is unbelievable. And so I thought he would have a much more Ricky Fowler, like if we're using another Oklahoma state guy, right. Um, go per- folks. career to where you, I, I don't know that I expect him to go out and win a ton of majors, but I expected him to be like, Fowler's probably unfair because he's been in the top 15 for like 10 years, but maybe, I don't know, just somebody who's like a top 50 golfer in the world. But like to your point, there's only so many of those guys and the smallest things can kind of flip that around. So he gets to, he, he, the thing that is, I don't know if it's worrisome, but the thing that's interesting in 2013 chip, he was number, he finished the year 63 in the world and he falls to 143 and 14, 185, 279, at the end of 2017, he's back up to 52, and now he's fallen all the way down to 166 this year. So he's just he's very up and down in a way that I didn't think he would be. I thought he'd be a lot more consistent than that. What about Daniel Berger? Dude, isn't this crazy? Th- that, he's, uh, that he's fallen off? Yeah. So Joel Beal uh, of Golf Digest wrote a really good piece about and this is where I got some of these bubble boys, actually a lot of them. Um, but they were the names that kind of popped, no pun intended, around the uh, the 125 mark. And he he sort of pointed out, like, Daniel Berger was on the President's Cup team two years ago. And now he's outside the, what is he, one, he's 131 in the FedEx Cup. He was on the President's Cup. He, he was like one of the 15 best American golfers on the planet. He was going to win until Jordan Spieth chips in. Uh, where was that? Travelers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was in, se- that was in uh, 17. Yeah. Yeah. And he won the St. Jude a couple times. And uh, it's just, I don't know. It's been a weird year. He's got one top 10. And that was a T2 at the Puerto Rico Open. So that's not even a, that's an opposite field deal. I don't know. He's been in the top 60. He's ended the, the year in the top 60 in the world each of the last four years. And right now he's 113th and falling. Stock down. All right. What about uh, stock, stock down. Jason Duffner? Uh, another, I mean, it's just, it's, it's so weird, I think, to see like, and, and we've got another one coming up, but to see like former major champions that aren't in their like fifties outside of the FedEx cup. Right. Cause, cause or outside of the top 125. Cause we're so used to like guys with names, like just having just long-term consistent success. Doesn't, doesn't it feel like that for, and, and I guess the, the next one wrapping it up, uh, Martin Keimer is the, the yes. next one. And, and you'll also, Will you, will you throw a stock down on that one? I feel like we've we've seen Martin Keimer's show flashes of really really strong play in tournaments this season. Yeah, so I'm I'm stock down on Duffner and I'm stock up on Keimer. Okay, I'm very much with you there. And I I don't I don't necessarily know why that is. I don't know if I have a great reason. I think that I don't know. I just with Keimer like he's just so like, I mean, I watched the, uh, well, 14, was it 14 us open 13 yes. us open 14, whatever Pinehurst. And you're like, this is, this is like, it's one thing to win a major. It's another thing to win a major like he did at a place like Pinehurst. 
And I just, I can't quit that kind of talent. You know, like his, I'm like, I, I know what I, what I saw there. And, uh, you know, it, it's, he's a former number one player in the world. I, I'm just, I just, I'm, I'm stock up on him. He's had a, he's had a decent run here. So he goes third. He's, uh, he finished third at Memorial. He finished, uh, T nine at the Irish open, uh, T 20 at the Scottish open. And, uh, so those aren't obviously that, that doesn't help your FedEx cup points, but, uh, he's been playing. He's just, he's so up and down. Like his bad is like, Oh my gosh, how's this guy on the tour? And his good is like, this guy's like the best, <laughs> one of the best Europeans of all time. It's, it's, it's weird. I don't know if there's anybody quite like him on, on the PGA tour. Um, when he was playing in the Memorial, was that when he was playing in the final group with Adam Scott as uh, Patrick Cantlay was just like burning the place down. Like they were behind Cantlay maybe by two groups and they were trying, but they just had no chance of catching him. Yeah, I think that's right. He shot a 72 in the final round and Cantlay shot a 64. Right. And Scott shot a 68. So of the top five finishers, Cantlay was the only, or uh, Keimer was the only one that shot in the seventies. He led big, didn't he, going into the final round there? I I don't remember leading big, but I do re- I do remember that was the tournament that sort of had me. And then you know with with the coffee golf, uh, shout out to the shotgun start that followed. I remember that was that was where I I was with you. I saw his name on the list. We had a couple stock downs. I, I was hoping you were going to go stock up with Keimer. Yeah, he was two up on Scott going into the last round, four up on Cantlay, and then he lost to Cantlay by four. So an eight-stroke eight-stroke difference on Sunday there. But yeah, I just he, the, he has the kind of talent in flashes that it it just feels dumb to go stock down. And that has been stock up, stock down. Brought to you by TD Ameritrade. All right, um, expert picks for the Wyndham. Who you got? Yep. Uh, Chip, it's it, what a world we live in that uh, Webb Simpson is a heavy favorite over Jordan Spieth. I mean, I, I get it. I don't think it's wrong. But can you imagine telling somebody like two or three years ago that Webb Simpson would be a pro, just a prohibitive favorite over three-time major champion Jordan Spieth? If you, in, if, in if, if you said that in 15, it would have been bananas. Yeah. Cause and, we, uh, Mark and I talked about this on Sunday. Webb's had a good year. He's had a very, very good year. You know, it hasn't been anything like his players win last year or anything like that, but he's just, he's just like one of the 20 best golfers in the world every week. And, uh, so anyway, I'm picking him to win. Good. I think he, I think he's playing the best golf of, I, I don't know if he's playing the best golf of anybody in this field, but he's of the stars in this field. I think he's playing the best golf, by the way, how about, two months ago telling somebody that Colin Morikawa and Jordan Spieth had the same odds for a tur- for a PGA tour event. Spieth. Uh, who's your sleeper? Uh, I've got, uh, I've got Joaquin Neiman. I don't know why he's 40 to one. I might, I might be president of the Joaquin Neiman fan club. I think you are. I, I know. He's, I just, no, no, because he's not consistent. He's 40 to one because he's not consistent. Yeah, but he just finds these heaters, and you're like, he'll he'll have like six top fours in a row. Yeah, it's nuts. 
It is. It's crazy. And then my deep sleeper is uh, is Johnson Wagner. He is uh, tough, tough, tough year for for Johnson. He's uh, one fifty six in the FedEx Cup. By the way, you know what the the real bubble boys are? Are the guys around uh, two hundred on the FedEx Cup? Because anybody inside the top two hundred gets into the Corn Ferry Finals. If you're outside the top 200, like, uh, let's see here. Sang moon Bay is outside the top 200. Jamie Lovemark is outside the top 200. You might have to go back to Q school to get, to even get like corn fairy status. Yikes. Yeah. That's, that's the real bubble. I mean, the, 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 the 125 is a, is a real bubble, but the 200 is like kind of a scarier bubble. But, um, Johnson Wagner has had a ton of success on this course, He's 200 to one. Um, I don't know. I think he's worth, hold on. I only pull up his, uh, his success here. Uh, so he, him and Webb, this is on uh, data golf, their website. They've had the most success at Sedgefield. So this is since 2010. Um, so yeah, he's kind of a fun, he, he's, he's played pretty well recently. Um, had some, had some good finishes. I think he's a fun deep sleeper at 200 to one. Mm, should be fun. It's a pretty good field. Um, you can follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, chip. <laughs>